0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today, we're going to talk about the most recent episode of Castle, called The Final Frontier. This episode takes place at a sci-fi con, a playground we are very familiar with here at Game on Girl. Although we usually attend gaming cons, gaming and sci-fi cultures are very closely related. This episode of The Wildly Successful Show, starring my favorite Captain Woo-hoo! Yeah, <laughs> revolves around fan culture, using the ideas and concepts of fandom and the events that happen at a con to drive the story arc.
1: Most of our listeners probably recognize Nathan Fillion, the star of Castle, from Firefly or even Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. He plays a famous mystery writer, self-absorbed boy next door he plays so well
0: (laughs) yes his his character for sure
1: (laughs) yeah um i call phillian a fans celebrity because he he loves his job you can tell he loves his job but he also appreciates his fans absolutely yeah and the the producers and writers of the show have been very smart to let phillian frequently give shout outs to his fans and to his twitter followers Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're not following... Nathan Fillion on Twitter at Nathan Fillion. You should follow him. He frequently talks to his fans and about what's going on in the show or what to look for in the show, surprises and Easter eggs. Yeah, he gives little hints as to oh, there's going to be a Firefly
0: reference this episode, or there's going to be a Doctor Horrible reference this episode. So make sure to check it out, which is really kind of cool. He also posts great like little videos of the stars behind the scenes and pictures and things that are just fantastic.
1: Yeah, he kn- he knows what the fans like. Yes, you know he's a very he's a very good uh, fan celebrity. Definitely. Um, the show also casts some fan favorites from sci-fi like Adam Baldwin, mm-hmm. Michael Dorn, and most recently Ed Quinn. Yep. You probably know him from Eureka. Yes, exactly. Um, his birthday, Nathan Fillion, is one day after mine.
0: Oh, kindred spirits. Yes.
1: <laughs> and. If it's at all possible that his publicist is listening, we would love to have Nathan on the show. Oh, we, a <laughs> we, can, we can promise that he will probably be listened to by at least a thousand people, and we are willing to sweeten the pot with some Game on Girl swag. Absolutely. Yes. So just give me a call. <laughs> call me, maybe. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, this is Game on, girl, and so we're always talking about gender here. So let's start with some of the gender themes that we see emerge from from the episode. Uh, okay. Castle already plays with gender stereotypes. Um, just the basic character setups between Beckett, the other lead character, and Castle, Nathan Philian's Castle, Nathan Fillion's character, um, are are flipped where she is coldly logical and he is outrageously sentimental yes which is it's just a beautiful play they really are just perfect for each other
1: <laughs> yeah cause he, he plays the creative type mm-hmm. he, he's he's very uh Whimsical. He thinks of the most fantastic conspiratorial theories. Mm -hmm. And she's very level headed, look at the facts, black and white. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great, it's a very, very
0: much building on some, you know, traditions that we're seeing emerge. Uh it's actually, in my opinion, uh Castle, the the setup of it is a new Sherlock Holmes Mm. story because uh Sherlock Holmes, the stories of Sherlock Holmes were written by Dr. Watson, who followed yeah sherlock holmes around and that's essentially the setup that gets castle into beckett's life in the first place is he has a relationship with a mayor and he says here follow her around for you know information for your books so it really is a modern sherlock holmes um except our sherlock holmes is a drop-dead gorgeous uh female (laughs) yeah woman who's just powerful and everything, you know, we all, well, many of us look at and want to see in, in our characters. So, so that's, yeah. My, and,
1: yeah. and, and, Castle is, is not a, a bumbling sidekick. Right. He, he is, his creative thinking helps solve a lot of things and gets right. Beckett to think outside of the box. Absolutely.
0: And, and it really, it really is just fantastic Um, the way he, he's able to sort of take her, Her approach and her look at just the facts and the cold, hard logic of the situation, and he's able to extrapolate from it often what happens and what's happened and what she misses or what she might have missed had she not had him. So, again, they, they really are perfect for each other.
1: So how are the gender issues handled in this particular episode?
0: Well, there's some real specific uh, scenes that are are fantastic. An overarching theme, I think, that comes out of this episode that relates very much to what we talk about is that sci- science fiction, like gaming, is a place where women feel empowered. Science fiction mm-hmm. has a great yeah. history of powerful female characters. That's just, you know, one of the places where you even said in your original interview with me that, you know, you could always rely on science fiction to, pr- you know, Produce the kinds of characters that you wanted to see as a female, really, yes, and a woman. So, my first and one of one of the first moments that stood out the most for me, as I was thinking back over the episode, was um I can't remember uh, Castle's daughter's name off the top of my head right now. Alexis. Alexis. When Alexis is is seen at the con in in very seductive cosplay. Yes. <laughs> And is by far my favorite moment where he's like, Oh my God, what are you doing? (laughs) Yes. I cannot unsee that. I cannot unsee that. You know, she's, she's got a little bikini on and she's looking a little sexy and it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And it's a great feather fringe. Yes, exactly. And she's with two other women who are also dressed up and they're a trio of uh, alien assassins from some made up show. Yeah. Just, it was just fantastic in and of itself. What's funny about this is, uh, her empowerment as a, as a woman to, to do this, and the fact that he taught her cosplay.
1: Yes. Right? He <laughs> I ma- loved that.
0: Yeah, comment. he makes reference about how they've gone to cons, you know, all the time she was growing up, and she would be a little mini Princess Leia, and he was always Darth Vader. So, so here she is taking the tradition that he had with her as a little girl that was probably safe and happy and has turned it into
1: <laughs> a completely different thing. Well, she's made it her own. Exactly. And that's kind of the point uh, in the show. And that's kind of the point that Beckett makes to him is that um, she's a woman now. Right. Right. And she understands where Alexis is coming from. And it's something that Castle's not quite ready to identify with. Right. Because Alexis is, um, a, and I wish, I'm sorry, I can't quote the actress's name right now. She's a beautiful woman. Yes, she is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And... I just, I loved her character and Castle's mother on the show because his daughter, the same way as Beckett, is the opposite of her dad. Mm -hmm. She's intellectual, very responsible, very disciplined. Very grounded. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. But has a wonderful relationship with her dad.
0: Right, right. Exactly. And yeah, it's a fascinating. S- I love I love their relationship. Sorry, I didn't mean to.
1: cut No, no, that's fine. It's just <laughs> it, it's a, a really sweet relationship between a couple of people, also that balance really well. Right, exactly. And and it and it shows. I love.
0: There's a lot of shows now that have very strong daughter characters emerging out of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a fantastic trend that we're seeing with the, you know, sort of younger women, younger, powerful women characters coming out that are more than sort of some of what we've seen in some sci-fi like um, Supergirl or different things like that, where they were sort of add-ons later on, like, oh, here you go. (laughs) Here's your girl character we'll add in here. These are characters that are sort of fundamental to the story. So that's been, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I like the way that they developed Alexis because she did start off as the intellectual good girl. Right, right. And they are letting her explore her femininity while keeping her identity and not making her slutty. Exactly,
0: exactly. Sort of changing her around so that she's becoming her own person. Yeah. But in in a very, you know, individualized way. Which is something that's an, also a theme throughout this episode. There are so many powerful female characters in this episode. I I love the fact that the the plot really revolves around female characters and women.
1: Yeah, it does actually. Um, you had you had mentioned um a couple to me offline that I I totally didn't recognize, mm. but. Um, Annabelle. Annabelle, right, Who? who is, unfortunately, we don't
0: actually get to hear her voice at any point in the episode because oh. she's the dead body at the beginning of the show. Uh, so, so she is the creator of the Nebulous Nine fan experience, so she took it on herself as a fan of the show to buy the rights and then create this fan experience that travels around from con to con and has a character or an actor from the original show in it, and then people, the fans, get to come in and actually experience the show. So she was a very powerful female character, businesswoman of her own, sort of making her own, living off her love of this show.
1: Yeah, and her crew is made up of the, um, she continues the show through webisodes, mm-hmm. and her crew includes uh, one male fan and one female fan. Exactly, exactly. So again,
0: we're, we're, you know, sort of going back to the female characters. And another uh, powerful female character was, um, uh, I now I can't think of her name, the one who played Chloe in Nebulous 9, the, the, which is the lead character of the TV show. So we yeah. have her as now having launched herself out of this sci-fi show into a more, into a movie uh, career. Um, and has a, a little diatribe about how much you know she didn't want to go back and do any more nebulous nine stuff because she had moved so far past it now.
1: Yeah, that the character's name I believe is Stephanie Fry, yes, and she was incredibly familiar until I went to try to look her up on um IMDb and um, she's not exactly who I thought she was. Um, I can't even remember her full name now. Uh, the actress's name is Melinda, mm. but it it was very interesting because the most <coughs> unlikable character on the show was this actress who hated Nebula 9 right and th- it was the person who just despised well and i mean partly you know you kind of you kind of feel for, because as a, as a career, you definitely don't want to get stereotyped or stuck. Absolutely. Because then, I mean, your, your career goes nowhere. That doesn't quite give you a reason to kill anybody, but. No, no it really, it really,
0: uh, you, you would think that, that that really isn't a, a justified murder uh, uh, plot or <laughs> motivation yeah. motive for murder. But, um, you know, we, I've heard, Katie Sackhoff and another female, um, even you know Carrie Fisher from, from Star Wars, talking about how difficult it is once you've played an iconic female superhero, um, not, well, not necessarily superhero, but sci-fi hero, mm-hmm. um, how difficult it is for them to move past it and to do other things. So, so it is a pretty common thing, I think, that happens for actresses. Even you know Nathan Fillion, it very easily could have happened, You know that he was oh, yeah. an actor that got stuck in being the Firefly guy. And, yeah. and But when, what I think helped him not do that was the fact that he has always embraced it. So many of them do, like uh, Stephanie Fry's character does in the episode, want to like distance themselves and shun their, their fans who got them their first success. And Nathan Fillion is beautiful at not doing that, which is a great thing. So.
1: Yeah, if you've ever um, at at Dragon Con, the Walk of Fame is is pretty huge. I'm, I'm I'm at least I'm fairly impressed with the number of celebrities they they get to show up. Past celebrities, mm-hmm. um, all the way up to most recent celebrities, like with the Vampire Diaries and right. True Blood and stuff. And Brandon. you walk through that room, and you can tell by the expressions on their faces where they're at in their career mm-hmm. and what they think of the con.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, like how engaged they are
0: and how much they, they appreciate or don't appreciate or have yes. lack of appreciation for.
1: <laughs> you'll, you'll notice a lot of the, the older celebrities or the older characters that are there tend to be friendlier that they mm-hmm. uh, are more receptive and, um, And the newer characters are just signing books. Mm -hmm. They just sign, they just sign, they just sign. Um, Those who have done the cons for a while, and even if they've got careers that are developing or or, or have have gone farther, they understand what the cons have done. Right, exactly. And you can tell that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And and they understand. I mean, you know, a lot of the original series, uh, Star Trek... Uh, actors that I've seen at Emerald City Comic Con uh, personify that, where they're so thankful because that, you know, the third season of that show was fan-driven. It was it was created yeah. because there were so there was such a fan reaction, and a lot of our con traditions and a lot of our fan cons uh, and fan culture comes out of Star Trek, the original Star Trek, because it was yeah. the you know those fans who were the first ones to sort of gather and bring people together. So.
1: Well, what other gender issues did they uh have in The Final Frontier? Uh well, the one the one big one is at the end of the
0: episode where where now Beckett is a huge fan of of the show. Right she's a huge fan she's done cosplay and this is all revealed and you can see her throughout the episode taking a lot of the the comments that the actors are making she's a little starstruck in the fact that yeah she's going pop. it's so cute she, it is adorable and because she is that sort of coldly logical character it it is kind of like shocking sometimes where it's like oh Okay, <laughs> here is her emotional. You know, here she is being sort of more emotional. So, um, so that's that's really kind of cool to see her do that. So she's a little starstruck talking to you know these these char- these actors who played characters that she loves, and um, and she does get a little sort of bent out of shape. So at the end of the episode, she gives the a little speech where she talks about what Nebulous Nine meant to her, and she talks about it being a metaphor for leaving home for how chloe didn't care of what anybody else thought yeah um, and how she did at the time and how it was a really sort of liberating thing for her to have a hero that didn't care what other people thought that did what you know was important and, and to her who was a scientist and a warrior so she couldn't she could personify these different things that I'm sure at that time Beckett was feeling a call to, but unable maybe at that time to embrace in in a very real way, so
1: yeah, remember the episode we did where we talked about um, influential sci-fi characters from childhood shows yeah. it, it It was a reflection on that, right, exactly. It's that same like who is important to you and who
0: showed you that the world could be different than the world you saw, yeah. That was very much what the show had represented to Beckett's character. And she also does a great job of making a distinction at the very, very end when it ends up. Uh, sorry, here's the spoiler, guys. If you haven't seen the episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> when it yeah. turns out that Stephanie Fry is the murderer and, and Castle says to her, he's like, well, do you feel like one of your you know, heroes has been tainted? And he's like, no, she's not Lieutenant Chloe. That's who I idolized was Lieutenant yeah. Bowie, not who was acting her, not the actress herself. And she made that differentiation between who the character was on the screen and who the actress was. So that that's really important when we talk about identity and how people form their identities. And it's really important when you can recognize that your character can still stand alone, um, even if the person behind it wasn't who you thought they might have been.
1: Yeah, and that speech that she gives, that Beckett gives there at the end, is pivotal as well because... To me, it seals how the show handles um, sci-fi fans and just fans in general with a great deal of respect. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because basically off and on during the entire episode, Castle has been making fun of Beckett for being a fan of this insanely cheesy, short-lived sci-fi show. Yep. And it's, it's tickled in pink because he loves seeing these little emotional chinks in her armor. Yeah. But then she explains to him what this did to her emotionally and where it fit in her life. And she said, could you, Could she just comes right out and says, it, which I think is really great. Could you please not make fun of it anymore? And right. he says,
0: absolutely. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and he understands what it means. And, and I think that that was a really nice touch that the writers put in. Castle yes. is a beautifully written show. It's very well thought out and very nicely done. And like you said, they're very conscious of who their fan base is and that a lot of the people who started watching the show probably started watching because Nathan Fillion was Captain Type Pants. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, oh, I did, too. I was like, oh, Nathan Fillion's in a new show. Oh, awesome. You know, and I got all my friends who were fans to to start watching it, too, because it's like, oh, look, this is this great show. So, and then of course everybody ends up with a big old crush on him because
1: well, he's yeah. Captain Type, huh?
0: <laughs> exactly. Who couldn't have a fan? Yeah. <laughs> so, Rhonda, do you have some uh, some gaming themes? We didn't have really have very many gaming themes in this episode. It was really more fan. No,
1: yeah, it's mostly about sci fi television, and that's there's no gaming really mentioned. I was just going to kind of give a side note that. Um, Nathan Fillion and Stana Caddick, who plays Beckett, both have done voiceovers for video games. Mm-hmm. Um, most noticeably, uh, Stana did the uh, Talia Al Ghul voice for Batman Arkham City.
0: Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And last night, one of the guest appearances, just one, there was a yeah, couple. several.
0: there were several. Including um, yeah, the director. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Armin Schimmerman, uh, Everybody probably knows his quirk from uh star trek mm-hmm. but he 's been in pretty much any sci fi show fantasy show that you 've ever been interested in he 's made an appearance in he 's also been a voice in multiple video games yeah
0: yeah he's he 's a pretty Pretty big sci-fi staple now, and yeah. very, very distinguished. And of course, I remember him from. Um, I just watched for Halloween. I watched a bunch of Buffy episodes. I did a Buffy Halloween, and Oh yeah, he <laughs> Band was, Candy. <laughs> he was so great as Principal Snyder. He was so great as Principal Snyder, but especially in Band Candy because that's the one where all the adults go kind of nuts with the um, the cursed camp yeah. It's making them act like juveniles. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's really it's really spectacular, and he is just really funny in it because it takes them back and they start acting like what they they were. And he was just anyway, he was just adorable in that episode. That's one of my favorite things. (laughs) And although unrelated to the episode directly, but Nathan Fillion is a big game supporter uh, and a gamer himself. He recently. Uh, played for the Firefall Festival, which was uh, days worth of Firefall playing that uh, Red Five Studios hosted on Twitch TV, uh, and you can check out the video and actually see him playing. So if you want to watch him playing Firefall, you can do that on their YouTube channel.
1: Uh, yeah, see that doesn't surprise me a bit. He's nothing but a big kid anyway. Yeah,
0: pretty much, pretty much. And he did a, they did a bunch of mock PSAs for Comic Con a couple years ago, and yes. he did Swamp Ass and. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it was just hilarious that so anyway he, he he has such a great sense of humor so willing to put himself out there and just be ridiculous yeah. that it's just it's just fantastic
1: yeah he's he, he's just a um one of the celebrities you're just a fun to be a fan of exactly exactly yeah. and speaking of fan the biggest the biggest thing about last night's episode to me was the fan references Mm -hmm. and they were very generous with the fan references. Um, I even read a a blog post uh, from a sci-fi fan who said, you know, this, this episode might not appeal to the typical castle fan right? because there was so much sci-fi in it, which I, I don't particularly agree because I think now that they've got Beckett and castle as a couple I think the show's so much more interesting. Yeah, I think so, too. I, w- I was going to be really,
0: it was going to be really problematic for me if they didn't do that at some point, because that, I felt like, really killed some of the fun of uh, X-Files originally, that they, they it became such a, we have to keep these guys apart yeah. thing for the show that it ruined the chemistry between the two characters. So I'm really glad that they finally just kind of pushed these guys together, because I would have been really irritated had it gone that way.
1: There's just, uh, there's so much more interesting things that they can do with them now that they're a couple and they have to work out. Especially that scene at the end where...
0: (laughs) he's oh like my God, wear your context. cosplay costume for me and I knew she was going to do that I knew she was going to have the head of the bad guys who who are called creavers like the Reverse from firefly Yeah, but I knew she was going to do something like that especially when her entrance was you know showing her legs first and and then the you know the skirt of her outfit and then her, her head was this big scary head with this big mm-hmm. massive face and just delightful the way they played that
1: yeah, that was just, I, 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 yeah. lo- I love it. I love it that that she gets the best of him and he gets the best of her. It's just- Absolutely. Makes it so much more entertaining. And that was something else the uh, the blogger had mentioned is that like the, the previous episode apparently was ex- extremely dramatic and there was very little comic relief. And in this show, there was a great deal of comic relief. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I tend to enjoy it better the the with the comic relief in it yeah because i think phillian is is great that way yeah he is He is. it plays to his strengths absolutely. and it stand and uh stana is good at the comedy as well
0: mm, absolutely
1: she's a she's a great standby with him they play off of each other well and to me that's what makes the show unique is when you have a really good um uh,
0: actor with good timing yeah exactly well that's it's it's one thing dramatic timing is one thing but comedic timing is is something really special and when you have it and you can and when they feed off each other because you can see the chemistry between the two of them it just makes it that much more powerful
1: but the fan themes
0: the fan themes yes
1: um their majority of the themes they had everything from of course Firefly, star Trek. Um, star wars and even Battlestar galactica yep and if you're splitting hairs you can even say that there was some princess bride in there mm, yeah 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 i i was talking it over with john last night and i said you know i think it's stretching it because when you pull out the phrase as you wish and try <laughs> to say well that's a princess bride reference but when The, um, the actor, the character doesn't normally say something like that. And with such a pointed, pointed moment. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, you you know what he's referring to. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yep. I loved. Um, I loved when uh, they made reference. they were walking up to. Uh, he's asking which show it is that where the murder was, and he's like, "Is oh. it Battlestar? Please tell me it's number six. Please tell me it's number Yes, six. I
1: know. Wasn't that fantastic? <laughs> I love because everybody knows what he's talking about. Right, the skin Cylon. Well, everybody know? who's part of the the fan culture knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that later, that when they run into the the other cosplayer for Nebula Nine. They say, isn't it fracking awesome? Mm-hmm. It's fracking something. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, yep. Oh my gosh, they use frack. <laughs> um, let's see. Firefly references, like you said, they had the Creevers, right. which I think is a reference to Reavers. Also, the captain of the Nebula was Max instead of Captain Mal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, of course, early in the show, uh, Castle says shiny. Shiny.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely.
1: I love that. But probably one of the best lines is at the beginning, like when you were talking, when they're discussing the murder, he says, how is Nebula nine worthy of all of this? They were canceled over a decade ago after 12 episodes, which were 12 episodes too many.
0: Yeah. And she gives him that incredulous look at that moment.
1: Yes. Yeah. He was just like, he was trashing it horribly. Yes. Yes. Says, I'm a fan of Good Sci-Fi, Star Trek, Battlestar, and that Josh Whedon show. I know, I love that. That Josh Whedon show. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of snips it in there. And it's just like
0: fantastic.
1: Yeah, it was very um, nicely done. And some people go back and check for me, but I think at about eight and a half minutes into the show, they're shooting some scenes around in the con, and Castle and Beckett are talking. And I believe Back behind, to the left, there's a brown coat.
0: Hmm, oh, we'll have to double check that, yeah.
1: There, I, and I started noticing this that, and it makes sense because of network licensing and all that bunch of stuff, that most of the costuming is extremely generic. Yeah, yeah. There, but, there's you some,
0: you know, you can kind of loosely tie to, yeah, but aren't, yeah. aren't direct, you know, uh, stormtroopers or, or, you know, whatever else yeah. they might be
1: there is there are several captain americas though Mm -hmm. and if everybody remembers what nathan fillion went as for halloween this year
0: right captain Captain canada
1: Canada. (laughs) i love the the captain americas and there even there was uh, a captain america display there was a female captain america and then there was a guy captain america later nice yeah that was really nice that's really awesome and let's see of course in the star trek references um the the best one that took me forever to figure out and i had to have help was the opening scene when castle signing autographs um the i don't even know whether we should tell who it is oh who walks up to the table yeah
0: oh it's. You, it's...
1: did you catch it oh yeah <laughs> they're going I know that guy I know that guy I know that guy and I could not figure it out oh yeah as soon as I saw it I was like oh look it's well and John told me close your eyes and just listen yeah yeah and I was already so befuddled by that point I could I couldn't get it I was just and then after he said it I would just feel like stupid stupid you stupid. did face palm right yeah <laughs> Um, But later on in the show, Castle does a great Captain Kirk. He does. Yeah. And then uh, at the very end, which I thought was just brilliant, they did a closeout theme song of William Shatner singing Ideal Woman.
0: I know. I know. Yeah, I thought that was really brilliant. I I thought I wasn't 100% sure what they were going to do. I knew there had to be some sort of Shatner involvement in this episode because he is, you know... He is the king of the con, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, and it was really great. I don't know what you, what purpose you can read into that, but the ideal woman, I remember listening to your episode of Nerdgasm. It mm-hmm. may have been a different episode I was listening to. One of the guys was talking. He said, you know, if I can meet a woman where I just sit down with her and just start talking gaming mm-hmm. seamlessly, he said that would be ideal right well I thought it was I thought it was fun because it, it ties back
0: to our theme that we're sort of pulling out here about strong female characters being really you know powerful and fantastic but it also you know played on you know she had just done they had just done the scene where she was in the the outfit with the big scary face on yeah <laughs> so it's like here's your ideal woman you know here come give me a kiss aren't we gonna make out now yeah <laughs> <laughs> So it kind of played on that too, because that scene had just ended and it had yeah. started up as they were sort of doing that scene, him, you know, uh, Shatner singing sort of started at that point. So it kind of played on that. It kind of played on our theme of powerful characters and powerful female sci-fi characters, yeah. which are something that all of us love.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously that character, uh, Richard Castle loves that in Beckett. Yes, absolutely. He loves strength. Yep. And he may make fun of her at times where she shows these emotional weaknesses, right. but it just endears him to her that much more. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So if you haven't watched the episode and if, or if you don't follow Nathan Fillion and if you don't follow Castle, you really should because it is fantastic. It's just a fantastic show. It's really fun. Like I said, Sherlock Holmes of our time with a powerful kick-ass female character in the lead. So yeah. what more could you ask for?
1: Yeah, and if you, get, if you guys see anything in the episode that we missed, uh, be sure and let us know. You can give us any feedback on Twitter or Facebook or on our website at GameOnGirl.com. You've been listening to Game On Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me at R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M on Twitter. You can also read my tech blog at DroolOnTheFrog.com or email me at Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm
0: your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs as I'm known on Twitter. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. And I'm going to make sure to link to Nathan Fillion's appearance at the Firefall Fest. So if you haven't checked that out, you really should because he is just adorable and hilarious and everything you want your stars to be.
1: Yeah, and if Philian's publicist needs any contact information, that will all be on the website. Yes, exactly.
0: If, if he does want to come on the show, which um, would probably be a fangasm for both of us at the same time.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, I'll need a drink. <laughs> yeah, probably a couple.
0: And <laughs> hey, please feel free to leave comments on the website. We love your feedback. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Those links are all on the website as well. Or you can drop me an email at Regina at GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited with Audacity and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening and until next time, game on!